Hey, everybody. I want to talk to you for a second here about Canva, specifically Canva presentations that are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation. So start designing today at Canva.com. Design for work. Just go to Canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Brought to you by the 2012 Toyota Camry. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And uh, this is Stuff You Should Know, a very serious edition. So don't even laugh once throughout the whole episode. We're just a couple of fracking podcasters. We can't do that the whole time. I wasn't going to do it at all. Well, you know I would. I find it distasteful to I like substitute something for the F word. Yeah, sure. Even like, the F word, I, I can barely get that out, calling it the F word. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. You just want to say it. Yeah. Don't say fudging. Right. I hate those people. Yeah. Fudging. Midwesterners? Yeah, just don't even say anything at all. Yeah. Just glower. Yeah, or say something entirely unrelated. But all it does is make people think of the real F word, which is like loses the spirit of your intent, which is to not curse. Oh, well, yeah, that's definitely a way to put it. That's one problem with it. <laughs> all right. What's your intro? What's your fracking intro? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we did that episode on uh, peak oil. Yeah. And it was really funny that we recorded it when we did, because like two days after we're talking about the U.S. running out of oil, yeah. a report was released that basically said the United States is predicted to be energy independent by like 2030 at wow. this rate. Um, and we actually are. We probably are never going to achieve true energy independence. That's just, I mean, a hundred percent of our f- supplies of oil and fossil fuels and all that stuff created here. It's just, it, it's never going to happen, but we're going to get closer and closer and closer. And in fact, in 2010, John Kerry, famous senator, possibly a future secretary of state. Oh, yeah. Is he being bandied about? Uh huh. Okay. Um, he said that the United States is the Saudi Arabia of natural gas, and definitely natural gas is one of the reasons, one of the ways that U.S. has suddenly experienced this huge boom in uh, oil production. Yeah. Oil uh, production, gas sure. production, fuel production. Clean, clean burning natural gas, uh, but we will learn that doesn't necessarily make it clean over its life cycle. It's a big difference. Yeah. Some say it's as dirty as coal over its life cycle. Especially people who love coal. <laughs> yeah, that is one problem I had with this fracking article is, and not just the article, the, the whole topic, is everybody has a slant depending on who they're working for. Like, if you're an environmentalist, you're going to have your slant. Mm-hmm. 
you're working with the, the big uh, oil companies, you're going to have your slant. Mm-hmm. And they all say, like, these are the facts. Yeah. It's really annoying. Well, one of the reasons why everybody's able to get away with saying these are the facts is because this stuff is so new. Yeah. And so um, unstudied, I guess, to this point. Yes. As far as published, peer-reviewed studies are concerned. And as far as massive amounts of fracking. Like, it's been around for a while, but yeah, not like it's going on today. Right, exactly. Um, apparently, there's in some form or fashion, it's been around since the 19th century, this, uh, the concept of fracking. But the fracking, like you just described, massive fracking yeah. operations carried out by huge energy concerns. Mm-hmm. That's a couple of decades old. Yeah, I think Halliburton started it in... 1949. Yeah. They, they invented it. Did they? Yeah. Uh, really? Dick so, Cheney? Uh, I don't think Dick Cheney invented it. He's like, give me that pipe. I'm going to try <laughs> something new. Uh, yeah. So they, they uh, developed the process at least. But it's really started to take off in the last few years. And in, in, in the last decade or two is when you started to see real concerns about what's going on here. Wait a minute. What are you guys doing? Right. And that's where this idea that, oh, it's perfectly safe. Oh, it's going to cause a catastrophe has come about. And that's why we should probably say, like, we this isn't going to settle the issue. No. But um, you should keep your eyes. I hope this raises people's awareness of this. Well, yeah, just uh, on that note, I saw a study today that 35% of Americans have never heard of fracking. And about 28% said they've heard of it but don't know what it is. Yeah. So that's that's a lot. Well, let's let's teach a few people. Okay. Fracking a.k.a. hydraulic fracturing, or if you're a total square, hydrofracking. Mm. You know? Like, that's the kid who thinks he's cool, but is really kind of out of the loop, so he's calling it hydrofracking still. Yeah. Or really, you just call it fracking. Sure. It's a, um, it's a technique that's used to get to incredibly deep deposits of fossil fuels. Yeah. Not always natural gas, but most of our discussion will be on that. Right, and I shouldn't even say fossil fuels because you can use fracking to get to incredibly deep deposits of water, sure, if you wanted to. Um, but the one thing in common that um, all of this, all of these techniques have, um, is is that you go down in a vertical line, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you just cut to the right or cut to the left, anywhere yeah. between six thousand to thirteen thousand feet down. Yep, to get after shale, to get after it. And shale um, is this uh, type of porous rock. Yeah, we did oil shale, right? A long time ago. Yeah. Years ago. Maybe like 2008 we did oil shale. Um, And it's a type of rock. It may contain oil. It may contain gas. It can contain water. Uh But the stuff is trapped in it because of the tremendous pressure uh, at these depths. Yeah. And with a fracking operation, you go down there, break it up, get it out, and it comes back up. Yep, and here in the U.S., um, we have a lot of the shale, specifically the Marcellus Shale, uh, is one of the main fracking grounds in the in the country. And what does it cover? Pennsylvania, Ohio, parts of New York, Virginia, Virginia. Maryland, or West Virginia, Maryland. Yeah, it's huge. So that's where a lot of this stuff is taking place right now. And, and many more states and Europe are hot on the the, the scene here to get into fracking. Right. And they think that um, there's about 2,552 trillion cubic feet of natural gas in the United States. Wow. And about 500 trillion of that is in the Marcellus region alone. So it's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, New York just, they were letting it through, and then um, the governor 
kiboshed it for now and said, wait, maybe we should study this some more. Yeah, uh, because a lot of municipalities were taking it on their own to outlaw fracking in one form or fashion. Yeah. And this has caused like a huge problem because there's a lot of people out there who are saying, well, wait a minute, I own land. Yeah. I'm kind of happy with this idea. And I want to get incredibly rich overnight like Jed Clampett did. Yeah. You know, where's my, where's my bubbling crude? Well, yeah, you, you gotta, you do have two sides. You have some farmers that are like, this is contaminating our land. Yep. And you have some farmers saying, I haven't been able to farm and make money in years. So I would love to sell my land off or lease my land. Yeah. And um, make some serious money. So yeah, it's not like every farmer's like, no, I don't want this. A lot of them do. No, it's very much divided. And this Great is playing jobs. out in like town halls yeah. around New York and around the country, wherever fracking is, is possible, I guess. Um, and it, it is definitely dividing communities. Yeah. All right. So let's let's go a little more in depth about the process of fracking. In depth? Yeah. <laughs> it's really pretty simple. Um, it starts off like a conventional uh, well. So you drill deep. Um, I think you said between 6 and 13. They said the average is about 7,700 feet down. That's for, I think, Chesapeake Energy's wells. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, um, well, they go to wherever the, the deposits are. Right. So it just sort of depends. Um, how do they find that out, I wonder? Um, like, they, what's a good site? They, uh, they detect... Radioactivity, I believe, because this stuff is slightly radioactive. Yeah, we'll get to that too. But I think that's one of the techniques they use is they, they oh, really? analyze the radioactivity and say, oh, there's a bunch right here. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you got your regular well, and like you said, it, it, what's called the kickoff point, mm-hmm. it's going to take a left or a right and uh, become a horizontal um, line, and that can span anywhere from 1,000 to 6,000 feet. Uh, then they stick something called a well bore. It's just basically a steel uh, casing, mm-hmm. like a big steel pipe. Right. And they stick that down in there, and then they shoot a bunch of cement down, and it comes out the bottom and goes back and fills it up on the outside, mm-hmm. further encasing it. And they clear it out of the middle of the well bore. Then they clear that out, so you've got a you know a pipeline, I guess. Right. And then the actual fracking uh, part takes place. Right. So I'm setting you up for that part. Oh, you were? Sure. You'd think after all these years I would have noticed yeah. that. <laughs> um, well, so uh, that you've got the, the well bore completely cemented and in place, and it's going down about a mile off from the kickoff point, and it's right there in, this, in the middle of this shale deposit. Yeah. And they send down a, um, a little tool. It's like um, a little cable scrambler. You know what I'm talking about? It looks kind of like that. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's an explosive device. Yeah. And it blows a hole into, well, little holes, a bunch of little holes. Yeah. In through the well bore, through the cement, and into the surrounding rock. Yeah, just a few inches. Right. On each, each one will, you know, uh, be two or three inches of, uh, a little mini shaft, I guess. Right. So you've got, you've got the horizontal well bore, mm-hmm. and the cracks are then vertical, vertical, perpendicular to it. Yes. Right? And then they plug that up and then move on and do it again all the way down the line. Yes. Of this, uh, the horizontal kickoff point yeah. and the horizontal kickoff point, and they blow them up and blow them up and blow them up, and you've got all these perforations into the rock, and then all of a sudden now you are prepared to frack. Yeah, and I was setting you up. <laughs> At this point, they pump um, water. Well, they pump a lot of stuff. It's mostly water, though. It's it's mostly water and sand, and then uh, what they call other chemicals, mm-hmm. and um, although sometimes. 
diesel fuel is a part of this. Apparently, they stopped doing that in 2003. That's not true. Well, they were supposed to stop it. <laughs> yeah. The EPA came we'll up with a, something that sounds like it has a lot of teeth. It's called a memorandum of agreement. Yeah. And they asked the oil companies to sign it and say that they won't use diesel as part of their fracking fluid any longer. I didn't realize that people were still doing it. Yeah. Uh, a recent congressional investigation found that 32 million gallons of diesel fuel has been injected um, in 19 different states between 2005 and 2009. So it's still going on. Well, that flies in the face of the memorandum of understanding. Yeah, the memorandum of understanding. Yeah, it didn't have teeth, did it? Yeah. Um, but you can get a permit to do it. That's messed up. Apparently you can get a permit, but there is no office to process the permit at the EPA, so it's an effective ban, mm-hmm. but they're still doing it. Okay, so you, you've you got you've got your fracking ready. You pump your uh, – you start actually the process of fracking. What you've just done, everything we talked about up to the water is preparing for fracking. Once you start pumping this water down at an incredibly um, – pressurized state yeah like nine thousand psi mm-hmm. by contrast you know a, a air compressor for your air tools in your garage that's like 90 psi <laughs> uh, nine thousand psi is just an incredibly uh, pressurized state yeah um the water rushes down and when it hits those perforated areas it cracks the the shale even further yeah uh and eventually the uh it also it the particulate matter the sand or mm-hmm. whatever else that they added goes into those cracks and then keeps it open keeps the cracks open yeah, these after must the be water tiny recedes. little cracks they are but it's enough cuz what you're talking about is like you're getting gas out of yeah, exactly. rock it rather than a, yeah just a, a little bit yeah sure um and then once the once you stop pumping the water the pressure pushes it back up and eventually the water's done. The, wa- the water that you sent back down there yeah. comes back up, and then it's followed by gas or whatever else. Yeah, and that water is wastewater that is, um, and we will get into this, is one of the controversies. How that wastewater is handled is um, kind of a, one of the things at the center point of the controversy. Yeah. So that that's fracking. Um, it's 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 complex engineering-wise, but it's actually kind of simple as a concept. And then the whole thing lasts from... Preparation, uh, I guess the first drilling to the end of fracking, about four months. But then this well that's just been developed can produce natural gas for decades, possibly years or decades. Yeah, it's all up to like 40 years even sometimes. Okay. So that's fracking. That's fracking. (laughs) And that's where the story ends. That's where the story ends. Um, So we're going to present both sides of the argument like we try to do sometimes more successfully than others at other times. Yeah, because if you're an environmentalist, you probably just noticed eight things that we said that are driving you crazy right now. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, what about this? What about that? We're going to address that. Well, let's, let's take the pro-fracking side, um, first of all. Okay. Um, which right now, you know, includes President Obama. You know, it's not like we're not dividing this politically as best we can. Like, he's in favor of it right now. And we also need to point out that we had a listener mail uh, that point out that there was a uh, there's an EPA study that was commissioned in 2011 that's really the most comprehensive study ever and it'll be done in 2014 mm-hmm. and i think it by the time this comes out some preliminary uh, notes should be should be in okay so we'll learn a lot more soon and maybe the obama administration will come out against it after that but as of now there's not a lot of hard science yeah which is problematic it is problematic so uh, on the pro side, you're going to say, you know what, we can 
these horizontal wells are really sort of efficient in that you're not going to have above ground hundreds and hundreds of wells. This one well can go horizontally for 6,000 feet and do most of the work out of sight. Yeah. Of course, counter that with their like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of these mm-hmm. wells, fracking wells. And there's still a lot going on above ground. There is, because the the whole operation, while once they finish drilling, they remove the, the drill rig, but now you have pump trucks coming in. Sure. Uh, it takes about 200 trucks to deliver a million gallons of water. Yeah, man, I saw this one mini documentary on this small town in Pennsylvania, and they're like on Main Street. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, yeah, we used to sit out here at the sidewalk cafe, and literally while they were filming this, it's like every other, every third car that passed was a huge tanker truck. Right. Through like the middle of this like little quaint town. Carrying water to the site. And removing wastewater and whatever else. So if it takes 200 trucks to carry 1 million gallons of water, some of these, some of these operations use 10 million gallons. Yeah. So 2,000 trucks just to carry it there. Right. Then you've got pump trucks and it, I mean, it is an operation. That's true. Even though compared to oil drilling above ground, it's, it's less. Yeah. It's more innocuous. That's right. So um, another pro is that natural gas is pretty great, and you, you're not going to find a lot of people to argue with that. It burns very cleanly. It's a good solution. But it's the, uh, like we said, over its lifetime, some contend that because of the practices, it's not any cleaner than coal um, in the end. Yeah. Like if you burn it itself if in a perfect world, it, has, it emits one-third the nitrogen oxides of coal, uh, half of the CO2, and just 1% of the sulfur oxides. So it is like a lot cleaner. But then again, as part of the fracking process, you have like all these trucks that are using all this diesel that are coming to and from the site, right? Yeah. Um, another problem with it is methane release associated with um, tapping natural gas. Apparently as much as 8% of the methane in a natural gas well is lost and methane's bad. Yeah. It's a really serious greenhouse gas. It's worse than CO2 as far as creating the greenhouse effect is concerned. It's just there's typically less of it, and we usually produce less uh, than we produce CO2. So there's, there's an air pollution factor to it as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, we should probably point out, if anyone's seen the, the documentary Gasland from 2010, mm-hmm. that was the famous scene where the guy lights his tap water on fire. Yeah. It's very impactful. Yeah, did you see it? Yeah. yeah, and you know you can't see that and not go, holy crap! Yeah, like they're letting this happen. Um, as it turns out, in fairness, the uh, officials determined that it was a naturally occurring methane reserve uh, at this particular homeowner's well, mm-hmm. and it was not due to fracking. Right, his well had hit like a methane yeah. reserve. So that they- would explain what his flaming water <laughs> exactly. But before that came out, I think um, Truthland which was, I guess, an answer to Gasland came out. Did you hear about that? No. Truthland um, was released by uh, Energy in Depth, which is a pro-fracking group. Yeah. Which, if you go into SourceWatch, is funded by frac- by oil companies. Yeah. But they released this documentary that said nothing about the oil companies funding it and called it Truthland. It was exposed as propaganda, like, right out of the gate. Right. But um, there's definitely this... Uh, propaganda war going on. Yeah. Um, between, you know, pro and con sides. Speaking yeah. of pro and cons, you got any more pros? Um, 
I do, but quickly, but just because that guy in Gasland, um, it turned out to be a different thing. Mm-hmm. The companies have been fined um, for negligence with methane reaching water supplies. Like that has happened, right? Which is not supposed to happen because if you're talking about like a um, the Marcellus region, yeah, this this that's the typically very deep deep shale, like seven thousand, ten thousand feet deep. Yeah. That's how far you have to drill down before you hit that kickoff point, right? Your um, groundwater reserves, your aquifers, are going to be a few hundred to a thousand feet. Yeah. So if you pass through them and then you use your steel wellbore and encase it in cement correctly, you're not you're not going to get any release into that groundwater, and the cr- the cracks that you're making, the fractures, are so deep and yeah. small enough that they're not going to travel all the way up. Right. Thousands and thousands of feet up to the uh, the aquifer, just the pressure won't allow it. Supposedly, that's like the, yeah. that's the that's the logic behind it now. But there are things like uh, coal bed methane fields uh-huh. that are typically much more shallow and are closer to aquifers. And those are the ones if you're tapping those using fracking, you run a tremendous risk of of methane uh, getting into the the water supply big time. Uh-huh. But if you're doing deep shale stuff, yeah. as it stands now, all the evidence suggests that no, it's it's if you seal your well bore correctly, you should be fine. Right. Well, that's the listener mail pointed out that um, you know most of the issues of of the problems have been because of bad concrete or incorrect well, mm-hmm. you know this and that, not mm-hmm. the fracking itself. Right. But it's the same people doing that, so it still right. counts as part of the problem with fracking. Yeah. You know, you can't say like, oh, the fracking segment of this operation went well but of course we had cracks all up and down that ruined everything sure so come on that's semantics yeah exactly. all right um some of the the more uh last couple of pro arguments here josh are um revenue it's a big one Seventeen thousand six hundred jobs would be created uh and 125 million dollars in tax revenue if new york state um Lifted their fracking ban, and New that's York just state in New York. alone. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of jobs. A lot of these are uh, former farming communities that are somewhat depressed, and a lot of people want those jobs. And anytime you're reducing our dependence on foreign oil, that's a good thing uh, in a worldview. So those are some of the pro arguments. Sure, and they're good ones. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and again, we should say like the jury is still very much out, but there is a lot of common sense criticism of fracking operations. Yeah. Um, some have already been discarded. Like, a lot of people are worried about that radioactivity. And um, the, the the wastewater that does come back up is sm- slightly more radioactive than it was when it went down, but not any – That's as one professor put it, that's, like, the least of your worries with fracking. Is the radioactivity? Yeah. Another one is that um, it causes earthquakes, which is sensible, you know. You're down there, you're drilling, you're blowing holes into the shale, thousands of feet down. How can you not cause an earthquake? Apparently, earthquakes are associated with fracking, but it's not the actual fracking. It's when you store wastewater in a retention pond, right? Reservoir-induced seismicity. Oh, is that where it's coming from? Yeah. So there are a couple of earthquakes that were associated with fracking, but not from the fracking process, from storing the wastewater. Again, semantics. But if you ask me. So, but the wastewater is probably the single most, um, I guess if you're an environmentalist, that's the smoking gun. Like, that's the one that you can't 
get around if you're uh, an energy company because fracking uses tons of water, lots and lots of water. I mean, millions of gallons of water to get to these and recovers maybe between 15 and 50% of that water. And then the water that is recovered is now way more toxic than it was before. So you're taking water from a municipal water supply. Yeah. Drinking water, people, water people need, sending it down into the earth and then getting maybe 15 to 50% back. And then the stuff you do get back is like, what are we going to do with this? Yeah. Well, they, um, the, the oil companies will say that they dispose of it in ways that, uh, adequately match state regulations. Um, which may or may not be adequate. Yeah, may or may not be, and depending on the state, the regulations are a little more lax than others. Um, I know a lot of the the wastewater from Pennsylvania is deposited in, in surrounding states because I think they have one of the more aggressive wastewater policies. Yeah. So they'll just say, ironically, New York, even though they ban fracking for now, allows Pennsylvania wastewater to be dumped there. Okay, so there's at least one municipality that has banned uh, fracking fluids. Uh huh. Like you can't buy or sell them or possess them in the city, and you aren't allowed to introduce any used fracking fluid into their waste treatment plants. Like their their city water isn't allowed to treat fracking fluid. So Yeah. And some of this water, like the wastewater, some of it is reused for other fracking operations. Some of it is just treated. Which makes sense. Yeah. Economically, it just makes sense to get as much back as you can and then use it again. Sure. Use the same water as much as possible. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Some is treated, you're going to say, in like yeah. a wastewater plant. Sure. Um, others, like a, a lot of the stuff that comes back up includes like ancient salt beds, salt from ancient seabeds. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and they use those on the on to like clear off snow and ice on roadways, but they're starting to outlaw that as well. It's basically like the fracking industry went unregulated for a very long time. Like it was unregulated in that it was a drilling technique as far as the EPA was concerned. Right. And it wasn't until this environmental um, group, LEAF, sued, uh, I guess, the EPA over some fracking techniques in the late 90s in Alabama Uh before the EPA finally started to regulate fracking. Wow. Uh, I'm sorry. What? (laughs) I got a little little into it for a second. No, I love it. Um, We were talking about wastewater. Some of that water also spills. Uh, in June 2011, there was a well blowout in Clearwater County, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. It's a gas explosion, 16 hours of uncontrolled spill, about a million gallons of toxic waste into a creek in uh, Moshannon State Park. Um, I saw this one documentary where they interviewed a, a guy that used to, one of the blue-collar guys who used to work at the operation. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, you know, some of them are heavily regulated and get visited by inspectors. And he went, but... Many thousands are not. Right. And he said, I worked at one of those. And he said, in the, the, at the frack pad, it was on top of a, like a, a mountain area. That's the, where the bar is. Yeah, I guess so. But he said, you would look at this mountain on the side of it. And he said, it looked like it was bleeding, like this red, oozy water just tumbling down into like the forest below. Great. And he said, but yeah, some of them are regulated, some of them aren't. Yeah. Or inspected. And I think it's probably one of the same issues as, uh, uh, the mountaintop uh, coal removal is mm-hmm. that you've got like a handful of inspectors for these like thousands and thousands of operations. Right. Which is not good. No. 
Wasn't there an, wasn't there a spill of just not even wastewater, but it was straight up fracking fluid, like all the additives, which by the way, are for a very long time, um, energy companies said that their fracking fluid mixtures were propri- proprietary and they wouldn't yeah. reveal what was in there. The EPA finally said, no, you have to. We need 100% transparency. So now- um, Well, not 100% though, because there's still some- uh, That is true. And dude, I saw that too. And I was like, great, finally. Yeah. Release the chemicals that you're you're putting in there. And then they said that there's a, a bit of a loophole in that some of them can be still be listed as trade secrets. Well, it's like trans fat. Like you can list, you can put trans fats in your food still, right? And say that has zero grams of trans fat, as long as it has half a half a gram or less per serving of trans fats. But you can still put that big zero on there. It's very tricky. So some of the some of the states outlawed, um, or some of the states said, "All right, you have to tell us at least what your little trade secrets are, right. and we won't release them." And then some states, like Colorado, believe it or not. Just said you don't even have to tell us. What, is that right? What your trade secret is? So, well, the ones that have been released, it, it's very. There's some unusual stuff in there. Walnut hulls, table uh-huh. salt. Well, that uh, didn't sound harmless. Lemon juice. That sounds great. Laundry detergent, antifreeze. Oh, okay, it's getting worse. <laughs> uh, emulsifiers. Apparently, the um, price of this. Uh, uh, I what is it called? I want to say guar, but it's not guar. You know. Yeah. Guar, the band. But it's like guar. It is like guar. But <laughs> instead of a W, it's just a single U. It's an emulsifier used in ice cream. And apparently, oh, fracking really? operations have driven the price of the, this up so much that the ice cream industry is like, what the heck, man? Like, we, we you just lowered our profit margin significantly. Is that why Ben & Jerry's is so expensive? No, Ben & Jerry's is expensive because... It's so delicious. It is delicious. Chubby hubby. That's a good one. It's my favorite one. Uh, New York Super Fudge Chunk. Eh. That, that white chocolate in there. I like the offerings, the uh, seasonal offerings too. Like I had some uh, pumpkin cheesecake the other day that was really good. I have not tried that it's one. It's delicious. You know what else is good is their, um, it's a blueberry graham Greek yogurt. Oh, yeah. Yogurt. Emily had that. Is it good? Yeah, very good too. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks. Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, friends. As every parent knows, kids seem to be everywhere all at once, and it's really tough for even the most watchful moms and dads to protect their little ones from every single thing. Yeah, Duracell understands this, and that's why they're deeply committed to lithium coin battery safety. Lithium coin batteries power a bunch of important things around people's homes, including things young children may have access to. So Duracell not only educates parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of lithium coin battery safety, they also make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them. Even Duracell's packaging is child secure and designed to avoid accidental opening. Because they believe their products should provide more than just power. They should also provide peace of mind. You can learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely. Available on 2032, 2025, and 
Boy, we can get sidetracked on food, <laughs> the drop of a hat. We've been doing good in this one. We've been talking about nothing but fracking. That's true. So they will, um, depending on what website you go to, you will, if you're worried about chemical additives, you will see stats from uh, people like Halliburton. And they say it only makes up like 0.5% of this mixture. But what they don't say is that can still equal like 300 million, I'm sorry, 300 tons mm-hmm. of chemical additives. Is that for a single operation? That's for four, 4 million gallons of water used in a fracking operation would equal about 300 tons of these additives. Chemical additives. Yeah. So there's a lot of this stuff. It may be only 0.5% to 2%, but um, there's still a lot of, like many tons of harmful chemicals. And again, what are you doing with it? I mean, like, what do you do with it afterwards? If you could reuse it, awesome. I have very few problems with it. Um, but it's taking water from a water supply. And it's in Texas, fracking operations have been shown to actually have exacerbated droughts in the area. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. Around the Marcellus region, there's apparently plenty of water. Like, for example, in Pennsylvania, in a single day, uh, the whole state uses about 9.5 billion gallons of water every day. It, the natural gas development, fracking, wow. uses about 1.9 million gallons of the 9.5 billion every day. 1.9 million to 9.5 billion. Yeah. So it's insignificant. But in an area that's already water stressed, mm-hmm. that's a problem, taking all that water and using it for fracking, wasting it, and then what do you do with it afterwards? Yeah, well, at least Texas has, um, apparently that's like the leading state as far as having capabilities. They have uh, many more disposal wells is what they're called there. Um, but in places like Pennsylvania, uh, where the Marcella Shale is, they don't have nearly the kind of disposal wells at this point yet, right? which leads to more um, retreatment or treatment of the water and dumping it in places like New York. When I say they're dumping it, I mean, I don't think they're like, you know, putting a big tube out in the middle of a field in New York and just letting it run out everywhere. Right. They better not be doing that. They probably aren't. Um, I saw one stat where there is one serious environmental concern for every 150 wells. Wow. Which, if you multiply that over hundreds of thousands of wells, the reason a lot of people point out and say it's not so dangerous is like, where are the, the where's the hard science on the effect right now? And this guy was like, well, we're not seeing it quite yet. Like, come back in 10 years right. at the rate that we're going, uh, and you'll, you'll see some problems. Sure. One for every 150 operations, huh? One serious environmental concern. Huh. Could be a spill, could be leaching into the uh, soil, kind of depends. Yeah. Um, and my whole thing is, if it's really no big deal, and it's totally safe, <laughs> and it's just not going to impact anyone in any way, um, then why do you exclude it from the Safe Water Drinking Act in 2005? Like, why do you take congressional measure, measures to have the language of what a pollutant is changed, which is what happened in 2005? Tell me about it. Well, the Safe Water Drinking Act, um, the Energy Policy Act of 2005, um, and th- this is not political. This this happened. You can go yeah, look it up. Settle down. <laughs> Dick Cheney did uh, push for these measures to go through. They oh, went through. The Cheney loophole. The the Halliburton loophole is what it's called. Um, and I will even give you the, the section. If you go to page 102, section 322, it covers hydraulic fracturing, mm-hmm. and it excludes... In the Safe Water Drinking Act, the underground injection of fluids or propping agents, other than diesel fuels, that's the one that they still said, like, you can't do. Right. Uh, pursuant to hydraulic fracturing uh, related to oil, gas, 
or geothermal production activity. So basically, uh, you need to keep your water safe unless it's hydraulic fracturing. Fracturing. Mm-hmm. Fra- fractaling? Hydrofracking. <laughs> Furthermore, in the Clean Water Act, they changed the definition of pollutant to not include water, gas, or other material which is injected into a well to facilitate pro- uh, production of oil or gas. Hmm. So if it's so clean and no big deal... Why are they going in and changing the term for pollutant and saying exclude fracking from Safe Water Drinking Act? Yeah, you know, a, it's a great question. And why was Aaron the guy? And why was the guy behind pushing this a former Halliburton executive? It's like I'm no smart guy, but I'm no dummy either. Yeah, you know. Well, I think you know, Chuck. The jury's still out, as we said on this, and we're waiting for this hard science to come in. But I feel like you should always be wary of any group or industry or anyone on either side sure. that engages in a disinformation campaign that tries to sway the public using underhanded tactics. That should always raise red flags to you. And they're both doing it right now, which is what's maddening. For sure. For sure. Um, and you, anytime somebody's selling you something and you find out that like they're, they're being underhanded, you should wonder about... Uh, about everything they're doing across the board, like with um, energy and development, releasing Truthland. That was misinformation. That was a misinformation campaign. They didn't say who released it. And, there's and been... they called it Truthland. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if you go onto the energy and development website in particular, uh, it reads really defensive, real defensive, like the text of it does. I can't believe that they let whatever, whatever PR company put that together release it like that because it's, it's like, like, why are you asking? You know, right. Like, I'll bet you didn't know that. I'll bet you didn't know that natural gas uh, could blow up your whole family if we wanted it to. Well, that did happen, too. Um, well, tell them first about the studies. In th- This month represents the third month in a row where a major public university has taken a real black eye yeah. from being exposed for being in bed with um, the fracking community. Yeah, University of Texas study said that um, fracking is safe. And um, it's really no big deal. Well, I don't know if they said that. They said it was safe. Right. I don't want to paraphrase. Uh, and then they got some independent reviews of uh, Professor Grote's um, study. And they said, oh, you know what? He's on the board of a natural gas drilling company and received more than a million and a half dollars in compensation. And he didn't mention that anywhere in his study? No. Nowhere. But what he did do is uh, quit his job at the University of Texas afterward and kind of retreat quietly into his corner full of money. <laughs> and the department head over him was forced to resign, too. But the thing was, it wasn't just that he didn't re- he didn't report that conflict of interest. He said that, um, that there, there was, like, flaws in the science. It was a bad article. It was a bad study, and they retracted it. And that's a big deal to retract a scientific study. Yeah. We're, they're saying, like, we want that back. Pretend we never said anything. Right. Um, Penn State tried to open a shale development um, sc- uh, school, I guess. Oh yeah. Um, and they couldn't because all the professors wouldn't wouldn't join. Like they couldn't get anybody to be a part of it. And then there was one more, I think, that was part of this little three month sweep that our buddy Wade Goodwin over at NPR was reporting. Oh yeah. Yeah, the uh, Shale Resources Institute at the State University of New York at Buffalo was closed. After um, people wanted to know who was funding its work and whether its work was truly independent into studying fracking, 
So they closed this whole school down because they found out that it was basically funded by energy companies and that people were working for them rather than the public good. Wow. So there are plenty more anecdotal stories that we could not get to. Um, if you type in fracking timeline, there's a great uh, timeline, oddly enough, of uh, of incidences and accidents. Um, and, you're, you know, I realize that there's no way to get oil and petroleum out of the earth without there being accidents at some point. Sure. It's just one of the dangers and unfortunate side effects. It's going to happen. But um, there are a lot of them out there. Uh, wells exploding. Uh, 2009, a fracking wastewater impoundment caught fire, exploded in Avella, Pennsylvania. Uh, soil tests conducted at the site found arsenic at 6,000 times the permissible level. Um, November uh, to December 2007, 22 water wells in Bainbridge, Ohio, contaminated with drilling chemicals. One explodes. A lot of methane explosions. Yeah. One family was pretty, killed. Pretty flammable. Like when they lit their pilot light in their house. Oh, my gosh. Uh, killed the family. So. And what was it doing to their brains leading up to that, just huffing it all the time? Yeah, who knows? The, the levels were so high, it blew up their house. I mean, how long was it accumulating? Yeah. Well, anecdotally, you'll see interviews with people talking. It's just like Aaron Brockovich. Like, I went to drink my water after they started this operation, mm-hmm. and it had a little uh, petroleum-like residue on top, yeah. and it tasted awful. And, uh, like, they say don't even bathe in it. And, like, this is what I'm supposed to drink. I want to say, I want to really make sure everyone gets this. If you ask me, natural gas is a really great fuel. Yeah. Like, it really does. Chuck, if we could convert the nation's transportation sector to natural gas only um, cars and trucks, we would reduce... Um, CO2 emissions by 90%. Wow. No, I'm sorry. We reduce CO, carbon monoxide emissions, which makes smog, yeah. by 90%. CO2 by 25%. And um, nitrous oxides by 60%. It really is a good idea. And it probably will be this excellent bridge fuel between coal and oil and whatever renewable we come up with, wind, solar, sure. in the future. And we could become energy independent thanks to natural gas and if fracking is the best way to do it that's awesome but we have to hold the people who are doing this feet to the fire to do it as safely as possible yeah to cut down on these incidents that you're talking about yeah to not pollute water but to get it out as as reasonably and efficiently as possible but also as safely as possible because if we don't say you have to do this smartly and safely they're going to do it as cheaply as possible yep. because it's a mandate of their corporate charters yep. to maximize profits, not maximize public safety, which is why it's important for people to be talking about this. Yeah, It's not inherently bad. No. It just has to be done correctly, it seems like to me, after researching this. Right. Agreed. Um, and didn't you find an, a new uh, fracking method that does not use the chemicals at all? Yeah, it's called gelled fracking. Uh-huh. It uses a liquid propane. And um, it, it, when it when you pump it down in there it doesn't come back up it turns into vapor which escapes back up as a vapor which you can capture and reuse resell or burn as fuel for to power the site that sounds pretty good no wastewater gelled fracking doesn't need water at all and uh are people using this yet or is it it's um they're patenting it it's been used about a thousand times since uh, 2008 gotcha 
Uh, I should probably say I invented it, so I have an enormous <laughs> financial stake in this. See, I, I admit my financial interests. Yeah, Josh Jill is what uh, it's called. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, I, I ran across that today. It seemed like a pretty good jam, gelled fracking. Yeah, I bet one of the issues with that, though, is like it probably requires some sort of uh, redoing of your current systems, which probably would incur costs that companies don't want. I'm just guessing. but yeah. Plus, you have to sacrifice like 8,000 cats just to get the <laughs> machine to start working. Who cares? This is inhabited by a god of, that loves cat sacrifice. Just leave my cats alone and you can have the rest. <laughs> Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire Entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey friends, as every parent knows, kids seem to be everywhere all at once, and it's really tough for even the most watchful moms and dads to protect their little ones from every single thing. Yeah, Duracell understands this, and that's why they're deeply committed to lithium coin battery safety. Lithium coin batteries power a bunch of important things around people's homes, including things young children may have access to. So Duracell not only educates parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of lithium coin battery safety, they also make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them. Even Duracell's packaging is child secure and designed to avoid accidental opening because they believe their products should provide more than just power. They should also provide peace of mind. You can learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely. Available on 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes. You got anything else? No. Fracking has been done. Yeah, we've been asked about this one for a while, so. If uh, you want to learn more about fracking, you can type that word, F-R-A-C-K-I-N-G, into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And I said search bar, so it's time for listener mail. Josh, before we do listener mail. Yes. um, Our TV show is going on. It debuted uh, last week, hopefully to great numbers. (laughs) And uh, we would like to remind everyone to watch each and every week on Science Channel at 10 p.m. Yeah. Following uh, Idiot Abroad, which is our lead-in, which is great. Yeah. And it's on Science Channel on Saturdays. 10 p.m. What else are you doing on Saturday night at 10 p.m.? Nothing. That's why you should watch our show, because you'll like it. Yeah, if you're out, DVR it. <clears throat> and if you don't have a DVR and you don't have a TV or cable, mm-hmm. you can get these on iTunes for, uh, I think, a buck ninety-nine. Yeah, day after the premiere, so Sundays. That's right. Yeah. So go to iTunes and uh, search for stuff you should know on the television side of things. Mm-hmm. And we thank you for your support. Yes, hats off to you guys. All right, listener mail? Yes. Uh, I'm going to call this Caving Sucks. Um, <laughs> this is from Michelle uh, Mariani. Guys, I'm a Canadian speech pathologist currently living in Manhattan. Uh, last month, I went on my honeymoon in Belize and decided to go on a guided cave tour. I imagined a large opening in a rock, uh, beautiful sparkling waterfall and lights and rainbows coming from the ceiling. Uh, kind of like you were talking about, Chuck, but what it really turned out to be was five hours of total darkness, except for the headlight, of course. High-pressure water rushing over jagged, moving rocks. I swam, stumbled, crabbed, walked for two and a half hours to reach a series of seven waterfalls uh, that I then climbed. Someday I look back and laugh, but at the time, I was screaming to Jesus to save me. Luckily, my group thought I was hilarious and enjoyed my jokes. 
but I kept my tears on the inside. Uh, the guys were very well trained, also very relaxed, and I never felt like we were in too much danger. Um, at first, I really, uh, tried really hard not to touch the precious centuries-old stalactites as I stumbled through, but by hour four, I was grabbing at anything I could as I was going down, trying not to have my eyes stabbed out by jagged rocks. I can't believe I let random tourists, uh, they let random tourists through these caves with no special training or a fitness test. Uh, living in New York City, I've had some crazy experiences, such as inadvertently get caught in the middle of a shootout and being quasi-attacked by a gentleman on PCP. But caving was the scariest thing that has ever happened to me. <laughs> um, had I listened to this podcast before my honeymoon, I never would have uh, gone and disaster would have been avoided. Thank you for the delightful podcast. Much love. Michelle Mariani. Thanks a lot, Michelle. Sorry about the PCP guy. Um, yeah, it's really something. Maybe that requires its own email as well, don't you think? It's always PCP. I wonder how many times it really is. Everyone's always like they were crazed out on PCP. Yeah. Maybe it was just ambient. <laughs> they were eating a stick of butter and coming for me. Um, well, let's see. If you have a commentary about how something that we thought was awesome actually sucks in real life, we want to hear about that. Um, and if you have any kind of fracking operation in your neighborhood, we'd love to hear about that as well. Pro, con, whatever. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. And you can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the 2012 Toyota Camry. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.